0: Hello and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling, I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. This podcast is sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS, a 21-day plan that takes you step-by-step through healing and thriving with PCOS. It's all in there waiting for you, beginning with the three keys to living your best life as a PCOS diva. For more details, visit HealingPCOS.com. Hello everyone. So today we're going to be talking to one of my favorite registered dietitians, but she's not um, the the typical registered dietitian. And, um, and she'll have an opportunity to explain that for you in just a minute. But I, I just wanted to say the reason why um, Cassie Bjork really resonates with me is I think we Kind of came to a similar conclusion. I know when I was looking to um, help women in a greater way, you know, I, I considered going back to school to become a diet, registered dietitian. But you know, after looking at the curriculum and um, you know what was being taught, I realized that that was not sort of the philosophy that healed me. So I was looking for something that was more holistic, more o- aligned with sort of the the food approach. Um, that helped me become a diva, and I ended up going back to school to become a health coach with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, and um, it, it really was very much um, an integral part of helping me become um, a PCOS diva and teach me sort of this, this philosophy of thriving with PCOS. So when I had the opportunity to meet Cassie, gosh, like three or four years ago, we were at a workshop together and hear her personal story and and what drove her to become a dietitian and then um, really expand to do the work that she's doing in the world, um, I knew that I had found a kindred spirit. So... Cassie is um, a globally recognized industry leader in weight loss, and she really is one of my sort of go-to experts for weight loss. She has a fantastic best-selling book called Why Am I Still Fat? The Hidden Keys to Unlocking That Stubborn Weight Loss. She, as I said, she's a registered dietitian, but not your stereotypical dietitian. After nearly a decade as a licensed dietitian in the state of Minnesota, she relinquished her certification in 2018 so that she could be free to teach what gets results rather than being mandated to adhere to the outdated approaches promoted by governing bodies under the influence of big food. So welcome, Cassie, to the PCOS Diva podcast.
1: Thanks, Amy. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a diva, too, so I think that's why we get along so well. I know. Um,
0: so I have to go back. I don't know. Maybe it was about a year ago where the, was it the American Heart Association came out with um, the sort of guidelines about coconut oil, mm-hmm. um, and I was so frustrated with um, the fact that now – coconut oil, which, you know, I still use, you know, on a daily basis in my smoothies um, and in my cooking, you know, is now sort of um, characterized as kind of the villain fat. And I saw um, a, a very um, influential PCOS dietitian post on Facebook, okay, ladies, we need to put our coconut oil away and use it for our skin um, and not, you know, in our diet. And I think the next day you came out with a fabulous article about why, you know, kind of debunking this whole coconut oil myth. And um, I think soon after that was when you sort of relinquished your certification. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I just, I'd love to, Kind of tell us, um, in your words, you know, what, what is your story about giving up that hard-earned dietitian license?
1: Yeah, yeah, thank you. And, and that's so funny that you brought that up about that coconut oil article. I've always been kind of one that's known for busting myths and looking back to, like, what the actual evidence and scientific data shows. And what's so interesting about when the American Heart Association released that report last year is that... It wasn't actually news because they had no new evidence. What they actually did was a review on past studies, um, or they called it existing data, which we already knew wasn't even based on science anyway. And they've never had a good reason to tell us not to... Um, have, you know, eat saturated fats, healthy saturated fats like coconut oil. So that one drove me nuts. And I think it drove a lot of people nuts because within just minutes, it had like thousands of shares. So I think, you know, it's important to get these messages out there because there's so many things that we believe about food and nutrition and weight loss and PCOS that just aren't true and aren't based on actual science. So to kind of dive in a little bit, I guess just to kind of where back where I started, you know, I became a dietitian because I had this passion for fitness and helping people and I knew that food, I mean, I think probably most of us can agree that food is really powerful and it's one of the answers to living life to our fullest potential. So that was my focus and that was like the bullseye. I wanted to learn the rules about Food and how it works. So I could help other people, you know, eat healthy and follow those "quote unquote" rules too. Um, and actually, I was always kind of like a rule follower as a kid. I, I was raised Catholic, and I knew that there were rewards to following the rules, so I followed them. And when I went to school to be a dietitian, um, I did the same thing. And you know, almost right away, you know, I was in my early twenties. So maybe I didn't know how to listen to my intuition as well as I do now, but um, I did everything they told me to do in school and in the textbooks. And I bet. You know, maybe you probably definitely, you know, a lot of your listeners can relate to this, eating low-fat and low-calorie, and I downed those 100-calorie snack packs, and I worked out like a maniac, and I was, like, pounding out miles on the treadmill and doing cardio a couple times a day, and then what was crazy, Amy, and this was, like, so unexpected for me, is I gained weight, and not just, like, 2 or 5 or 10 pounds. I gained 20 pounds, and it wasn't muscle, so I did what I was told to do was I doubled down on these dieting rules. I worked out harder. I ate less, and I just told my body it's going to follow these rules and it's going to obey, except it didn't. Um, I got hungrier and moodier and um, heavier. My waistline expanded. So this is kind of like where my whole journey started where just – there was so much shame around this and so much blame around this. Like I just felt like something was wrong with me. I didn't realize there was something wrong with like the rules and the process that I was following. It just felt like I was flawed and here I was trying to lose weight. And the only thing I was losing was like self-worth and self-confidence. And it wasn't until I got a call from, my mother, I was still in dietitian school, my, my father had to be rushed into immediate major heart surgery after he collapsed while running a race in my hometown. This was like this huge wake-up call for me because my father was the picture of health. He was physically active and he also ate low-fat and all the things, you know, that you can imagine we were told to do to stay healthy and his heart had failed him. And the thing was, he was following like all these same dieting rules that I was um, I'll never forget being in his room um, at the hospital when the hospital dietitian came in and she told him to keep doing all the things he'd already been doing. You know, eat low fat, eat low calorie, stay active. And I was, you know, I was in school to be a dietitian. I didn't say that I was, but I just said to her, you know, he's already doing all of those things. And she said, good, um, keep doing them. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's what landed him on your operating table. And that was the moment, like the wake-up call for me like the beginning of my journey of me figuring out what was actually going on and trying to figure all this out on my own because what I was being taught wasn't working for me, wasn't working for my dad. I saw this life-and-death possibility of this protocol that I was learning in school. And, of course, that's really when I dug into the research and found that most of these quote-unquote rules that we've been told about food and dieting and weight loss, they're flat-out wrong. And they're they're outdated, for one. They're heavily influenced by, well, large – companies and industries who stand to gain from putting out misinformation and most of all they're not working they're not making anyone healthier
0: yeah it, and i think that a lot of people can absolutely resonate with your story in one way or another i know i i kind of refer to um that era as the, as the snack um what was it snack well fat free era cuz i used to love well, those those snack wells in the green packaging yeah, right <laughs> Right, um, but and that's when I was really suffering from PCOS the most too. When I was mm-hmm. eating fat free, the fro- you know high sugar, lots of sugar, fat free frozen yogurt, bagels, fat free cream cheese. I mean, that's what I, yeah. you know, um, subsided on. Uh, but so, how did you shift your thinking, um, especially now that you knew that the the diet was making your dad sick, and you know how did you recover from, um, you know, that standard American sort of diet, um, and and how did you help your dad recover?
1: Well, I think, you know, when I was really diving into the research on all this, when I was questioning all these rules, and I was, I was really reading all the nutrition research I could get my hands on, um, I was really dumbstruck by what I discovered. I was reading that, you know, cholesterol wasn't the villain that we were told it was. In fact, it's actually an essential nutrient and high fat diets weren't unhealthy at all. In fact, they appeared to actually be more beneficial than high carb ones because of how they regulate blood sugar and insulin. And I learned that there's a lot more that goes into metabolism than just calories. And there's other important factors like hormones and thyroid and stress and sleep. I was reading all this and it brought up a lot of really big questions for me. Like, you know why is the foundation of the government's dietary recommendation the food pyramid why is it carbs and why was i seen on my dietitian license exams that a 100 calorie pack of crackers is healthier and more preferable than an avocado which is a real food and i just started to think about stuff like this like why why has our nation consistently been getting more overweight and disease ridden if these approaches were supposed to work and it just seemed like everything that i've been learning in school was backwards. So that's really when I started to just shift things for myself. And every new piece of information that I was learning seemed to really like buck the rules that I was learning in dietitian Mm -hmm. school. And so I started to kind of just let go of all these old mentalities that I was learning. And instead of counting calories, I started to eat more calories and eat more fat instead of eating less. And I actually kind of put a, put the brakes on exercise a little bit too, because Mm -hmm. I had been doing so much of it. And that's when I had been gaining weight. And it's almost like once I started to relax into this, like not obsessive lifestyle and just kind of let go, Mm -hmm. that's when things started changing for me. And that was the craziest. And and just to kind of like, um, like spoiler alert (laughs) to flash forward, the craziest thing now for all of our clients that go through our weight loss coaching program is they're like, I get to eat more and exercise less, and actually enjoy my life, and live, and eat the foods that I love, like bacon, and butter, and have dessert, and I'm losing weight. They're like, how is this even possible? Because it's so backwards to what we've been taught for so long.
0: Yeah, I think we all get kind of caught up. I call it that diet deprivation and denial mindset. And once you, just the art, I call it the art of allowing. You know, when you just allow yourself to have some of these foods that you truly love, and that satisfy you, you know, on a deep level, um, it's it's healing on so many different levels. Um, the, the other thing I wanted to say is about the exercise piece, and I write about this in my book, that, you know, like you, you know, my cardio, I, I would run, I, I know I went a year where I ran every single day of the year, and kind of was proud of that fact, you know, I, it was this sort of, um, kind of this battle mentality like with my you know my body and I got shin splints um, and had to really give that up and had to start walking and I couldn't understand all right so I ran all the time to try to burn the calories but then once I started walking the weight sort of effortlessly came off that was so stubborn and I couldn't lose Um, and it just seemed so counterintuitive
1: it does. I remember what, back when I used to run marathons, which I don't do anymore uh, because I don't think they're healthy to do all the time like yeah. I was doing back then. But I remember just thinking to myself, I remember I was leading this running group and somebody asked me, they said, how is it that there can be all these marathon runners that are overweight? It's like, aren't you burning? And not, not, I mean, there's not mm-hmm. a lot of runners that are overweight, but there, there are some. And it's like, when you're burning that many calories, how do you cross, cross the finish line not you know thinner than you were when you started training? Mm-hmm. And I think it's just one of those things that so many people don't realize because we're still told, you know, eat, eat less, exercise more, and that's the key to metabolism and weight loss, even though that's old information that's still being ingrained in our heads. And something that you just don't hear a lot about is inflammation and how when you're pounding on the pavement like that and putting in all of these miles and not really taking a break, which is what happens when you're training and when you're running all the time, there's this inflammation in your body that is compounding. And when you don't take a break from it, it's like your body has to put all of its energy and resources into healing. And that's how weight gain can actually happen as a result, no matter how many calories you're burning kind of like there's these little fires or these big fires in your body that your body's always going to focus on putting out first. Mm -hmm. And that's why we don't have energy and we can actually gain weight from exercising, which is so counterintuitive. It's so backwards from what we've been told for so long, but we're seeing that's exactly what happens.
0: So I wanted to um, ask you for your advice. So a lot of women are going to their doctors' offices. You know, they've been given the, the PCOS diagnosis. They're given the birth control pill and and sometimes the diabetic drug metformin, and then they're often um, referred to you know a dietitian uh, or a nutritionist for um, nutrition counseling afterwards. And you know, a lot of these dietitians, um, you know, you're, they're your typical. Um, you know, kind of follow along with sort of the American Dietetic Association's guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're told women with PCOS should go on a low-carb or no-carb diet. Um, and women just aren't getting the results that that they need in order to, you know, start healing their PCOS. So, you know, when, when you're um, given that, you know, referral to a dietitian. Um, you know what? Maybe you can arm people with some, um, you know, questions that they can ask, or um, you know, just some advice on how to, you know, move forward with a dietitian.
1: Yeah, that that that's such a tricky one because dietitians definitely are not all cut from the same cloth, right. and there's so many different approaches um so I think one thing that I've been personally like tapping into a lot more is how does how does it feel like does like I think a lot of people when they walk into a room and they meet someone else you start to kind of you chat about your health and you start to see what their approach is like you have that feeling inside of you it either feels really good and really right or something about it just doesn't quite feel right and it and something doesn't resonate and something just feels kind of like tight in your chest and like you're maybe putting your fists up a little bit, kind of in defense mode. And I think that's something to really pay attention to because I know that's happened for a lot of our clients when they've met with a dietitian in the past who has been telling them information that just doesn't quite seem right. Or maybe it's the stuff you've heard over and over again that hasn't worked for you. Mm-hmm. And that's the definition of insanity is doing mm-hmm. the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So I think that's just like the kind of like big picture a little bit of woo-woo right there, but I think that's really important to pay attention to. Um, the other thing is just le- kind of like I just mentioned, you know, pay attention to, like, is what they're telling you something you've already done in the past? Like, if they're telling you to count calories, which I think a lot of dietitians are still recommending this for PCOS even to this day. And you know,
0: carb, and, like, carb yeah, load and carb.
1: Yeah, um, eating more carbs and eating, you know, less calories and exercising more. You know, that's... Um, that I I totally disagree with that. And I think that a lot of women who have PCOS, they've already tried that before. Like if they've done a lot of their own research, a lot of times that's like the first stuff you come across because it's just so prevalent. There's so much mixed information out there. And I think it's okay to question those things and to do it respectfully. And I think that's the one thing that can be really scary when you're talking to a healthcare professional, whether it's your doctor or a dietitian is you know, questioning things. And it doesn't have to be like, hey, look at this study that I read, like, I don't think I should be counting calories. But it can just kind of be like questioning and saying, you know, I've tried that before, and it hasn't seemed to work for me. And I have heard some information about um, doing the opposite of that. What do you think of that? Um, And I think just kind of starting that conversation, because ultimately, you are in control of your health. And it can be easy to blame, you know, your doctor, blame the dietitian, or but it, it's up to you. And if you are going to see a healthcare practitioner that doesn't have an approach that resonates with you, you don't have to go back to them. You can go mm-hmm. see somebody else. And I think that's the really exciting, empowering thing about all this information that we have at our fingertips and on the internet, on podcasts like yours, is that we, like, we we are so much more empowered, and we don't have to continue following the advice of a of a practitioner. If it doesn't resonate with us.
0: Yeah, that that's great advice. And, you know, I talk about being a diva at the doctor, um, mm-hmm. and it's not, like, in a, um, you know, a rude sort of way. It's just, right. you know, standing up and advocating for yourself and making sure that your, your voice and your needs are heard. So it's yeah. kind of the same thing, yeah. Totally. Um, so w- maybe, you know, you could tell us a little bit more about... Um, you know, the kind of the the industry, the dietitian sort of industry, and, you know, maybe some other reasons why you sort of stepped away.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wanted to circle back to that a little bit. I'm totally happy to kind of dive in and talk about what happened with me. And I also want to just preface this by saying that I think that my situation with uh, licensure and all this that we're going to go into, I think it demonstrates a significant problem in the industry and in the credentialing process and in governing boards and I don't think that every dietitian will run into what I ran into. I, this might be kind of one of those outlier situations and it could also be the beginning of more like this. I, I don't know and I don't have that answer um, but I just want to kind of share that you know whether you're a consumer listening to this or even a professional in the healthcare industry uh, I just want to share kind of what happened to me. Um, in hopes just to kind of like spread the awareness, because Mm -hmm. the thing is, the day that I earned my certification as a licensed dietitian, this was one of the most important days of my life. (laughs) I worked really, really hard for that credential, and the authority that I believe that it gave me, and I was like ready to use it, I was gung-ho, I was ready to help people with their health and weight loss goals, and then what happened was, just a few years into my career, something really unexpected happened. The Minnesota Board of Nutrition and Dietetics, um, they served me with papers to seize and desist my approach to weight loss. And then from there, um, I fought for almost six years to keep my license. And it was earlier this year that I finally surrendered it. So just kind of to recap, you know, at the beginning, remember, I was confused kind of about what we taught and what we were taught in dietitian school. And I followed the rules and I'd gained the 20, over 20 pounds, and I questioned those rules, and I set out on this journey of, like, you know, discovering what the research actually showed, and it brought up all those big questions, and to my pleasant surprise, as I applied all the new information that I was learning to my own life, like, that's when my life began to change, that's when my energy levels went up, my cravings disappeared, the pounds came off, and I knew I was on to something, so all of this research that I did back in the day, that became the foundation for our Rule Breakers Weight Loss Coaching Program. And then what would happen was over the next eight years, we would help thousands of women lose weight and keep it off for good. And not by starving and skimping and doing all these things that we've been told for so long, but by actually eating things they love and fueling this sustainable weight loss. Um, so what's really interesting is that like, our approach worked. And our clients, you know, they shed weight, they gained energy, they healed chronic ailments, they tapped into these new levels spiritually, physically, emotionally. And the only reason our approach worked, I believe, is because it rejected these outdated rules of traditional dietitian training. And these were the very rules that I was obligated to uphold as a licensed dietitian. So the board didn't like what I was doing. They didn't think I should be talking about thyroid or hormones or supplements or really any anything other than low-fat, low-calorie food. They wanted me to just stick to these rules. So, there, you know, there's a fork in the road, and I had a choice. I could change how and what I teach, or I could relinquish my license. And, you know, it kind of became this... So it wasn't an overnight decision. In a lot of ways, it wasn't even really my decision. It was really forced upon me in a lot of ways, Um, and I really fought to keep it because I thought it was really important and I worked really hard for it. But when I was kind of at that fork in the road, there was like this side that was like, I can just limit all my capabilities and limit my knowledge and teach what's not aligned with me and what I don't believe is true, or I can keep doing everything that I know is right and actually be able to help people and just not have that license anymore, So um, I could have continued to fight. I didn't actually lose my license. But since that very license wasn't aligned with what I stand for, um, that's why I decided to give it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, you have to have sort of um, personal integrity, you know, in this business. And, uh, you know, I I find for me it it comes into play when, you know, I have probably on a daily basis people um, reach out to me to promote products for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're willing to throw lots of money at me to, you know, promote their whatever supplement or product it may be, but um, 99% of the time I reject that because it's not aligned with sort of my, my personal um, rules, I guess, that I've set up for myself, and so you know I, I and it makes me able to sleep at night <laughs> yeah <laughs> I do yeah. that and it's I, I don't know just your journey with with this kind of reminds me about sort of the choices that I make you know on a daily basis
1: to sort of align
0: myself with my own sort of rules and and we
1: want to be you know we want to be following people and listening to the advice of people that we just you can feel integrity you yeah. totally can and I think what was so interesting about all of this too is, well, first of all, my my program I mentioned earlier, it's called Rule Breakers. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was kind of funny that maybe that was like a happy accident that we called it that at the time because <laughs> we're breaking all these dieting rules and then yeah. that's like why they came after me. Um, but also it was kind of just like kismet in this way that like my businesses had grown to the point where we were scaling and we were growing so much. Like we were growing like gangbusters and it was, and it was like fighting this battle was hard for six years. But when it came to be like this point where I had to make this decision, it was kind of like, of course, like it's just so in line with what I believe and nothing's going to be kind of like stopping us now. And it just seemed like it would be so Um, I don't know, like it was almost like it was worth it at the beginning to try to fight to keep it. Then there came a point where it was like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, what is the real motivation behind this? And maybe it was just because I was stubborn. And maybe it was because I was proud that I earned that license. But it just kind of became this natural, it just felt really natural and like really light to just release it.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important for all of us listening. I mean, that's part of health is sort of releasing the things that are weighing us down Mm -hmm. um, and and letting those go so we can expend our energy on things that are more productive.
1: Yeah. And I love that you use the word energy because I don't think I really realized how much it was weighing on me. Um, I knew that it was, you know, there were a lot of there was a lot to it. I had to go, I had to go like to court multiple times and I was filling out all these interrogation forms and going through just this whole process. I had like three attorneys on the case and, and I could have won, you know, and my case was pretty good. And, um, and my attorneys were really good. And I think that was part of it. It was like, part of it was like to prove a point, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. like I I can do this and what I'm doing is working. And um, it was almost like they were trying to like embarrass me and shame me while I had this amazing program that was working because of all the reasons they were trying to shame me. So it was very confusing for me in ways, but then it was like, I was putting so much energy, even the energy that I didn't even realize I was expending. It was like always there, like hanging over my head. And -hmm. it almost felt like when I gave it up, it's like, I don't know, like a little bird that had like a rubber band around its wings or something. It's like, it was just like, it, Oh,
0: I love that, like that vision. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think a lot of women listening to that are struggling with trying to conceive it's mm-hmm. like in that surrendering. You know, I think um, when I was taking on well, a coaching clients, you know, I really encouraged women to just take it the summer off, you know, from trying to conceive and just sort of let it go and surrender. And often, you know, it would happen that they would get pregnant, you know, just by letting that negative or not that it's negative, but it's just constantly on your mind and weighing you down. And if you can let that go and sort of let, like the, you know, let yourself fly and soar again, um, miracles happen.
1: I love that. I mean, that's kind of what happened to me in my weight loss journey. And we see this happen for so many of our clients. It's almost like I was trying so hard to control it. I was, I was counting every single calorie and I was burning more than I was taking in. I was, you know, I, I had this whole schedule planned out of the things I would eat and when I would work out and, and like controlling it actually was backfiring. You know, that's when I was gaining weight. And then when I just let all that go and I started to eat in a way that I would fuel my body and I relaxed about it and I even started to have dessert, like it didn't make sense to me back then. I was like, how is this happening that I'm losing weight now that I've stopped trying? Um, But we see this happen with, like, every single one of our clients, and they just get so excited and confused and just perplexed, like, how could this be happening? But I think a really big part of that is that when you just let go and, like, remove that stress, like, we're putting the stress onto our bodies, and we know that stress can cause weight gain, like, independent of nutrition and exercise and anything else. Just being stressed out can actually increase your blood sugar levels and cause weight gain. Just by being stressed. I mean, that's not even talking about like stress eating and the food choices mm-hmm. that we might make when we're stressed out in uh, an attempt to, to numb and to, to compensate for that. Um, and I think it's just a beautiful thing. It's like when you can just release and surrender that your body knows what to do and your body can take care of you, but it's when we're trying to control and force, it just doesn't seem to work in any area of our life, you know, including conception, including weight loss.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the the rule breakers that you, totally. that you must have. Yeah, um, and which I'd like to talk about. I mean, I, I really, I really want to have you back on the show yeah. um, so we can talk about weight loss specifically. But was wondering if you could give us maybe a little tease
1: of you know some
0: some takeaways from this. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, definitely. I think – I always like to think of it like anyone who's ever tried to lose weight and has struggled to do it has probably asked themselves, you know, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I learned the hard way, and most people do, that most of these rules have been told about food and dieting are just flat out wrong, and there are certain rules <laughs> that deserve breaking, and that's actually why we call our weight loss program Rule Breakers, because what it means is that in order to lose weight and keep it off and to be healthy, like actually healthy, we've got to break the rules that never served us in the first place and really get to the truth, you know, about, about food and about our bodies and about metabolism and weight loss and, and life. So um, let's see, a few of the, the, the sexiest rules <laughs> that I think we need to break, uh, one of them, you know, I've kind of already foreshadowed quite a bit is to stop calorie counting. So We want to break that rule of calorie counting. And I think I like to kind of explain this like, you know, when you're on a quest to boost your metabolism and to lose weight and keep it off, you know, you don't want to be counting calories. It's kind of like, you know, if you were trying to if you had a fire going and you keep putting wood in the fire to get it to burn, if you take away the wood, it stops burning and your metabolism is like that. So when you take away the food and you take away the energy, it slows down. It tries to conserve its energy, and that's why anybody who's ever tried counting calories knows that you just feel awful. It's hard to think, and you get headaches and outrageous cravings and low energy levels, and you just feel tired and irritable and hungry, and then you don't even attain the desired result because if you lose weight calorie counting, you just gain it all back anyway when you eat because now your body doesn't trust you and it's trying to compensate even more. So you feel horrible and awful about yourself. You, maybe you lose a few pounds, but you gain it all back. And it's just like this battle that you're destined to lose. So eat more. Like, so I have this free training. It's actually called eat more to lose more. Like we want you eating more, more food to lose more weight because what we need to do is like fuel your metabolism. And I think that you know, when it comes to eating fat, I think that's another huge rule we want to break—is that whole like eat low-fat rule. Um, this is one that probably frustrates me the most because that's what that dietitian told my father after his heart surgery was that even though, you know he, he, he she told him to eat low fat, even though I think that's what landed him on that operating table in the first place. But we gotta eat the right kinds of fat. So, you know, when I talk about fat, I'm talking about butter, some kind of known as like the dietitian who tells people to eat butter to lose weight um, real butter, not margarine, you know, coconut oil, if like we talked about avocado, um, even dark chocolate, like that can be a source of healthy fat and it's okay to have dessert too. You know, I think that that whole like balance in life is really can be daunting and hard to achieve because we're so used to like restricting and trying to control. But I think earlier, Amy, you kind of referenced this a little bit and I wanted to circle back to this too, was that like when we take things like completely off limits. We want them. Like when someone sets Mm -hmm. a rule, like we want to break it. So I think that's the thing that's really cool is when you're like, oh yeah, I mean, I can have dessert if I feel like it, then you take a bite. And if it's like, if it's not even worth it, you put it back down. And if it's worth it, you have it. And then you're satisfied instead of having it be like this thing you can't have, this thing you can't have. And all of a sudden you eat like 12 of the desserts, you know? So I think there's like that whole, like the mindset is super, super powerful.
0: Yeah, so I I totally agree with that. And I I have this little um, story in my book about always grabbing a Snickers bar like at the grocery Mm -hmm. store and putting on the conveyor belt, like like kind of shamefully sticking it in my purse and then eating it on the way home, stuffing the wrapper under the seat and pretending it never happened. Like there was nothing really satisfying about that experience at all. And once I started you know, allowing myself to have some really delicious dark chocolate every now and then and really savoring the experience, you know, you don't need as much and, and the whole, there's so much more pleasure and just allowing yourself to experience that pleasure and the pleasure of something really delicious is
1: important. I love that. It's funny because even like over the past 10 years when I've been, you know, doing this and having like my Instagram and my Facebook, what I've been posting has, has changed. I remember I used to when I used to have dessert, I wouldn't post it. I'd be like, well, you know, I'm supposed to be this dietitian setting a good example. I'm not even going to like show anybody that I'm doing that. It was, there was definitely some shame associated with mm-hmm. it. Like, like, you know, I shouldn't, I, I hope nobody sees me in public. I remember being with friends being like, if anyone, cause people will recognize me, like, especially in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, if anybody sees me eating this dessert, like they're just going to think I'm a fraud, but there's so much power in owning your choice. Just like you're talking about that mm-hmm. Snickers bar at the checkout. So now like when I have dessert, I'll post about it and say like, I don't have dessert very often and I'm really excited and I'm going to enjoy every single bite of this dessert that I'm having right now. And it's like this intentional choice because you enjoy it so much more than when you're like trying to sneak it and like mm-hmm. you know, maybe have a bite, maybe two and all of a sudden it's gone and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember eating that. I didn't even get the satisfaction from it. Like that's what it's all about is making these intentional choices and owning them.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, you know what? You've inspired me to start posting my desserts on. Oh, I love
1: it. <laughs> um, I love yeah. that.
0: The other thing that I just wanted to mention too is when I was eating low fat. Um, it was when I, I said I was when I was really struggling with PCOS, and I remember um, getting my cholesterol markers back, and my cholesterol was really low. And I remember the naturopath I was seeing at the time said, "Listen." You are not, you don't have like the building blocks to make the hormones that you need because you don't have enough cholesterol and you need to eat more healthy fat in order to build that up. So as women with PCOS, we need, I mean, you know, your cholesterol shouldn't be, um, or triglyceride shouldn't be sky high, but you, you know, it's okay to have some higher cholesterol markers, (laughs)
1: Yeah, 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 it totally is. I mean, that's another one of those really big misconceptions. Mm-hmm. When I was 20 years old, um, I was told that I had high cholesterol and that I should go on a statin drug. Oh my and God. I know. And I didn't know what to do. And this is like before I was really learning all of this and I didn't go on the drug. And I'm so glad that I didn't because I still have technically high cholesterol. But when you really look at the breakdown, there's nothing wrong with it. And like your body actually needs cholesterol. Your body will produce more cholesterol if it doesn't get it from the foods that you're eating. So whenever we hear, I mean, that's another rule to break is to avoid foods that contain cholesterol, like, like egg yolks. I mean, that's like mm-hmm. the healthiest part of the egg. And we don't need to be just eating the egg whites trying to avoid the cholesterol. That's another just huge myth out there.
0: Yeah, thanks for for mentioning that. Because um, I see a lot of women posting um, just like their egg white omelet or, or whatever. So, yeah. And the
1: yolks are the best part anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so grateful to be able to enjoy foods like butter and egg yolks. And it makes the whole experience so much richer. And it's so good for you. Like, we need those healthy fats. We need right. cholesterol. Right. So, you know,
0: I'm going to have you back on. We're going to talk yeah. more about weight loss. And we're going to talk more about maybe other types. of. I'd love to get you to weigh in on kind of the keto diet um mm-hmm. and you know some of the other diets for for PCOS paleo keto you know we can take a look at that Yeah,
1: a lot of new ones and different ones um that have come out lately so I'd love to come back and share my thoughts and experience working with clients on all of those
0: okay excellent so but in the meantime um if somebody wants to learn more about your work where can we find you Cassie
1: Well, Cassie.net is where everything is, Um, and I'm on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, and it's all Cassie.net spelled out. Um, but also, you know, we talked about a few of these rules to break, you know, no more low fat diet, no more working out till you drop, no more starving. Um, but if you want to, I have a, I have a whole guide where I outline all of these rules to break and you can grab that guide at 10 rules to break.com. So no numbers, but if it's or the number 10 and then a rules and then the word to, and then break.com, um, you can find that full list of 10 rules to break.
0: Yay. All right. Well, we will make sure we have that in the show notes as well. So, great. so thank you so much for coming on. It's been a long time coming. I know I've been wanting to have you on. I for-
1: know. And I love connecting with you, Amy. I don't see you enough. So it was great to great to be on. And I just so appreciate what you're doing to empower women on their journey. It can feel so lonely. Sometimes it can just feel like we're in this alone, but it's, podcasts like this and online communities and just being able to connect with other women who are going through the same thing that I think just gives us so much hope so thank you so much for yeah.
0: doing that. Oh, oh and I love that you you ended us on like a hopeful message too so yeah that's what PCOS Steve is all about so thank you Cassie and thank you everyone for listening I look forward to being with you again soon thanks for joining us today I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and learned a little something that can help you along in your journey. For more information about PCOS and PCOS Diva products and programs, visit PCOSDiva.com. This podcast was sponsored by my new book, Healing PCOS. It's my proven 21-day diet and lifestyle plan to help women with PCOS take back control of their health and resolve their symptoms. Healing PCOS offers you daily, small, manageable steps that help alleviate symptoms and control the inflammation, hormonal imbalance, and insulin resistance that underlie PCOS. The 21-day plan consists of a 21-day anti-inflammatory, hormone-balancing meal plan, including meal prep and plan-ahead tips to make eating like a PCOS Diva sustainable. 85 delicious recipes, daily lessons, and self-care exercises. I have helped tens of thousands of women with PCOS take back control over their health and their lives through lasting healing and sustainable lifestyle change. So whether you're newly diagnosed or have struggled a lifetime with PCOS, this book is for you. Find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere books are sold.